The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you along for the ride and glad to be working alongside at least via Zoom, my buddy and our producer, Eric Ryder. He's standing by. He'll make sure we stay in our lane. Today, we are going to talk about the history, the long, perhaps unexpectedly long history of the electric car. We're going to be talking with Mark Green. Yeah, that Mark Green, great friend of our show and the host of the Cars Yeah podcast and one of the best connected automotive enthusiasts I have ever met or ever will meet. He tipped me off to an article that was published back in 2018, March 15, 2018. It was written by Kevin A. Wilson. This is from Car and Driver. The headline, Worth the What? A Brief History of the Electric Car, 1830 to Present. Abraham Lincoln was elected president in 1860. It goes back that far, the electric vehicle. EVs for short today. That's a lot of history to unpack. Thank goodness we have Mark Green with us. He'll be joining us in just a moment as we talk about electric cars then and now. This is American Road Trip Talk. We'll be back with the interview right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and alert drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert drops will stop it. What is alert drops? Alert drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drops will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving whether you're studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. Alternative Talk 1150, online at 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. Mark Green is the producer and host of the Cars Yeah! podcast. His is a five-day-a-week show where he conducts interviews with the goal of inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark interviews many, many, many successful entrepreneurs and other stars of car culture who have discovered how to work, play, and have fun with their passion for everything automotive. Mark Green, it's been too long, my friend. Welcome back to Trip Talk. Gary, hey, good to be back. Thank you for having me here. Uh, beautiful fall day here in uh, the Pacific Northwest. A little rainy this morning, then the sun came out, and now it's raining again. So it's what it does here. It's why we've got big trees. And guess what? It is raining like the Dickens where I live in Sarasota, Florida. So rain is a theme. Why, if you could just zip through an electric car, make sure you've got your umbrella up or have it covered anyway. 
Who knows what they came up with back in 1830? Well, maybe you know, because you're about to unpack a lot of automotive history that many, if not most of us, did not know about before. That's stunning to me that experiments, prototypes, development of electric cars went back as far as the 1830s. I mean, this is three decades before the Civil War they were working on this, Mark. It's absolutely incredible. A lot of people don't know this. And they just think that, oh, this electric vehicles are something new now and it wasn't around. But yeah, it goes so far back. And there was so many cars being made, um, mostly in Europe, some here in the U.S., but it goes way, way back. Even in Russia, they were making some electric cars way back when. And those kind of continued all the way up to the, uh, we call the brass era, 1905 through 1916. And in that time period, we started to see uh, combustion engines and gasoline. Gasoline was being produced or found, I should say, and, and processed. And so all of a sudden, the combustion engine kind of came on uh, tack. But before that, yeah, electric was, they thought, well, maybe this is the way you do it. There was also steam, of course. You know, you think of the Stanley Steamer as the most famous one. But there's a lot of people making steam-powered cars. But there was a problem with that. You know, this big steam pot they had to heat up and a lot of it would explode and blow up in your face. Uh, so it's very, very interesting to me that this evolution went through and then it kind of started to die off a little bit with pre-war cars. And a few attempts were made in the 60s and 70s. Think about even Boeing made the, the first electric moon rover, right? The LRV, the lunar rover vehicle was battery powered that went to the moon. But there was also some cars being made by GM. They made a Corvair that they thought maybe we'll put a uh, electric uh, pack in this thing. The problem was it only charged a hundred times and you had to replace the batteries that cost $160,000, a little bit expensive. So that didn't work so well. There was GM's ED1. So there was all this stuff happening and then it kind of just went away for a while, but guess what? It's coming back strong as we all know. And I've got some guests to share with you today that have been on my podcast that are really on the cutting edge. These are private individuals that are creating cars, electric powered cars for people. And they cross the boundaries of the kind of vehicles from supercars to everyday one man solo cars and motorcycles. So I can't wait to share some of these new EV revolutionaries that are happening. It kind of means history is repeating itself again. I can see that, Mark. Let me ask you this. Were there people in Detroit, and I know cars are made elsewhere, but in Detroit, the big brain trust there at GM, places like that in Michigan, you know, you're talking about Ford, you're talking about the GM makes as well, you know, mm -hmm. Pontiac, Olds, not just Chevrolet and not just Cadillac. When, when these brands, these makes of automobile went away no more olds no more pontiacs sometimes it's still amazing to think you know they don't make pontiacs anymore i know <laughs> and the saturn which was forward thinking right the saturn was there any to your knowledge was there any movement internally in these corporate power structures to see if some of these brands could be rescued if they could have more longevity if they went the electric route well, here's the deal. You have to think about automotive manufacturers. They're in the business to make something and sell it. And in order to sell something to consumers, it has to be viable. And we've seen this happen in all sorts of sectors, not only in automotive, but in other areas where people will come out with these things, these things they think that consumers are going to use and consume and buy, but they don't really work very well. They're expensive. They're cumbersome. Uh, even when Chevrolet came out with the Volt, 
was, gosh, the Volt, when was that? It was like 20 years ago or something like that. It was a neat idea, okay, electric, but it was too expensive. And so consumers are saying, well, this is nice. In fact, I, I, when the Volt came out, they did an eight-city tour in the U.S., and I actually was their initial launch in Tacoma. We, the company I used to be at, we featured them launching that car. You could come over to our facility. It was a big deal. Nice car to drive, but too expensive. And that's where it kept becoming a problem for these manufacturers. Like I mentioned, uh, imagine the Corvair, which of course was a car that was infamous for um, being dangerous at any speed, of course, according to Ralph Nader. And they thought, okay, well, maybe we'll put EV in here. But $160,000 after 100 charges uh, didn't really work. So technology has to keep up no matter what it is, whether it's a coffee maker or a smartphone or a flip phone or a vehicle in order for consumers for it to make sense to them so that they would actually buy it. So I think that's your your story. Whenever you see something fail, consumers didn't want to buy it. It was either too expensive or it didn't deliver what they need. And electric cars, of course, up until more recently, didn't even give us the miles that people wanted. It can only go 100 miles, even a 200 miles. Now we're pushing way past that. So all of a sudden this becomes, ah, oh, okay, maybe this is a possibility for me. And as a precursor, just listen to a quote from the aforementioned article. I'm going to read this paragraph. Even as internal combustion cars began to win the technology race, electric cars maintained a market, particularly in the cities where their silent operation and ease of use appealed to many. Often, the drivers were women who didn't want to hand crank an engine to start it, so city shopping districts had charging stations to attract these affluent customers. Affluent indeed. If you need $160,000, and that's what $160,000, not today, that's back then in the sixties, right? Oh, there, and of course, uh, this goes back much farther than that. I mean, for a time you had cars, whether gas powered or electric competing with the horse and buggy during right. that transitional phase, right? But affluence was the key. People either wouldn't buy the electrical cars or let's face it, they couldn't afford to buy them. Exactly, that's exactly right. And of course, we all know the story of Henry Ford devised a way to mass produce a car efficiently and make it somewhat affordable so that the average person could now buy a vehicle and drive it and get around. And that's really what these manufacturers are all about. Now, the people I'm going to talk to you about today that have been guests on my show that are really in the forefront of doing some unique things, they've picked niches that they're going to go into and they're going to focus on these niches. So they're everything from pickup trucks to motorcycles that are really an urban motorcycle. It's an electric motorcycle for cruising around a city because it's not something you would take out on a long ride, like in an old Harley Davidson or something like that to some really fun cars and even a supercar. I mean, the exotic supercar, you think about Ferrari, Lamborghini, some of these uh, outlier makers that make these very expensive uh, automobiles. So again, it's all about, can we sell it? Because you got to figure out a way to finance this thing. And of course, we all know about the uh, the amazing thing that Elon Musk has done with Tesla and how far he's come. When I think of him, I really think, you know, these other car manufacturers, I think, have been caught flat-footed a bit because he came out with the Tesla. And again, the Tesla's been around for a long time, but he's figured out a way to make it 
pretty competitive with other cars on the market. And I know people that have bought Teslas that aren't even car people that just, they're like giddy 16 year olds again, thinking cars are fun again. This is a cool car. So he's tapped into something there that's very special. It sure sounds that way. And it makes me wonder, apart from his genius, what was he seeing? What were others around him spotting that could be transmuted into this kind of technological revolution that plays out on the open road? I'm curious to know because it would take, for example, the kind of battery, if you're going to get 500 miles maybe ultimately 800 or 1,000 miles between charges. You're talking about substances that may not have even been known or perhaps were poorly understood back in the day. It takes the visionary to say, no, we can do it like this. Exactly. And I think for someone like Elon Musk, you know, he went out and he sold his idea to a lot of investors over and over. And there were a lot of naysayers for him, of course, and people going, oh, he'll never do it or this is silly. But you know what? He did it because he's a good salesman. If you think about our local uh, Howard Schultz, who uh, did Starbucks coffee, I mean, he did the same thing. Ray Kroc did the same thing with hamburgers. These are people that saw the future, saw a way to market an idea, a concept, a service, or a goods, and make it expand and scalable. And that's what Elon Musk, in my mind, has done. I wish I could crawl into his head just for about an hour. I'm not sure I could survive in there <laughs> because he must be just there's so many things firing off inside there uh, to, to what he's doing. And he's so much more than the Tesla automobile, of course. It's at the SEMA show, I'm going to mention today something that Ford announced this week, uh, which is the Specialty Equipment Market Association. It's a huge show I've been to for 30 years now in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, Ford launched something special, but I'll save that little uh, teaser for in a few moments. That sounds outstanding to me. I, you know, I, I remember Studebaker's. I first car I ever owned was an old, it was a 1968 Oldsmobile Delmont 88. <laughs> and I remember that. And I, my buddies were driving around Ford Pintos. One guy even had a Carmen Ghia and they called my car, the gunboat. And I was, <laughs> I was plenty happy with it. I could not have imagined that you actually could go 60, 65 miles an hour in a battery powered automobile and drive it safely. Right. Exactly. Forward march of technology. It continually astonishes the world. Exactly. Carmen Gears, that's what I had in high school. Love that little car. It was great fun. My parents bought a 1964, I believe it was, Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser when they first came out, and they even bought a second one in 72. Uh, great fun car. But here's the deal is electric cars are here, and they are coming on fast, and they're going to be the future. Even with the mandates coming down from world governments that we have to go electric. And we could probably spend several shows talking about, is there enough infrastructure to support that, i.e. charging stations or even power? You look at the power outage problems in California. People say, well, how are we going to plug all these cars in if we don't have power? And what happens if the power goes out? I can't go anywhere? Well, okay, there's some debate there. But the more important thing to me is it's bringing about entrepreneurs and innovators. And those are some of the people I want to introduce you to today and our listeners that are creating things based on the electric platform that couldn't have been done even five years ago because technology is moving so fast because the people developing the technology are realizing there's going to be a market for this. We can sell this. So we better make it available. 
please tell us about these innovators. Now's yes. the time. We want to hear about them. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to touch on a couple of people. Now, I today's show on Cars Yeah, my podcast was my 1,940th show. I have talked to a lot of people in the last seven years. These are inspiring automotive enthusiasts who work in all sectors. But these people I'm going to share with you today are people that are building electric cars right now. One of them is... Mark Hanchett. He was a, a recent guest of mine from Atlas Motor Vehicles here in the United States. Uh, they're making a pickup truck that is, I guess you could say, kind of like the traditional Ford F-150 pickup truck. It's going to be a workhorse. It's going to be a pickup truck that you can go to work and drive. And they're developing their own battery technology based on the tech technology that it listened, that exists now. And it's going to be made here in the United States. Another one is Justin Lunny. He is over across the pond, as they say, in the United Kingdom. He owns a company called Everati. And what they're doing is taking old classic vehicles, because people like me love old cars, and they're retro restoring them, if you will, with batteries in them. So you can buy an old Porsche, a Ford GT40, an old uh, Range Rover, an old Pagoda uh, Mercedes SL, but they're going to be completely redone, reimagined, if you will, with electric power plants. So you end up with a new old car, which is pretty darn cool. David Bernardo down in San Diego owns a company, Z Electric, and he takes old VW buses, VW bugs. He's done some Porsches, Carmen Gias. He takes them apart, restores them, puts them back together with battery power. He redoes the suspension so they can handle the speeds because batteries are awfully fast. Battery-powered cars are awfully fast. He's another one. Uh, there's three guys over in Italy, Robert Olivio, Franco Pizzuto, and Alexander Klad, who's actually German. He's out in Los Angeles. He's the designer. Automobili Estrema, Italian supercar. Now, you think about Pagoda, or not Pagoda, but uh, Pagani, uh, Ferrari, Lamborghini, some of these exotic multi-million dollar vehicles that go super fast. They're building one on their own battery platform, fully electric, one of the first supercars ever to be designed and built. And then there's Simon Dabdi. He's from Dab Motors in France. He's building a small motorcycle that's electric powered that you would drive around the streets of a busy city, easier to park, no emission problems. So those are just a few. Oh, I missed one. Just north of me, Henry Reiser, my good friend, Inner Mechanica. He's building a solo three-wheeled single-seater commuter car for intercity commuting. And he's taking his old Porsche 356 style cars through Intermechanica and turned his business into Electra Mechanica, building 50s eras replicas of Porsche 356 Roadsters with a full battery platform. So those are just six people, seven, eight, when you think about Automobili Estrema, there's three of those guys and their teams that are doing things. But here's something even cooler. At SEMA, as I mentioned earlier, Ford debuted their F100 Illuminator concept. And this is a pickup truck that's going to have the Mustang Mach-E vehicle battery platform in it. So imagine a Ford F100 1970s era classic truck with 480 horsepower, 634 pounds feet of torque. Uh, my good friend Paul DeCruz, I know he's listening to us today. Thank you for, for uh, making me aware of this. Uh, look at that. So you've got a major manufacturer that makes crate motors for cars. You can buy motors from GM or Ford to put in your classic car. They are using their battery technology so you can put these things into 
classic cars. They're listening. They're listening to the consumer. The consumer is interested. And for those of us who love old cars, what if in the future they outlaw the combustion engine? We still want to enjoy our old cars. Now there's a way to do it. So there's all pe sorts of people around the world that are on the cutting edge uh, that I've had on my show that you can go and listen on the Cars You Have podcast. Fascinating what they're doing. These are all entrepreneurs, little mini Elon Musks, I like to say, that are doing these uh, very unique things for people. Now you've got me turned on to the idea of going retro. And yep. uh, I can be as old school as the next guy, I will admit that. And many times I just prefer it that way. How about now? Here's what I got a couple of cars in mind. So as soon as I win the lottery, here's what I want to do. Okay. Get a good bat. And I'm talking about the latest technology. I would like to have a battery powered Avanti. Okay. I thought that was the sharpest looking car. I loved it. And even if it's one of these kit cars, it'd be nice if they could go get the body in the whole thing, right? And just uh, retrofit it for the battery. The other one, if uh, who knows, it might be a few bucks less there, but I would be very happy to settle for the Plymouth Barracuda. Ooh, that rear yeah. window wrapping around. And yeah. That would be so great. And, and this is it. You can get a la carte cars, electric cars. And I have a feeling that option is going to be more and more accessible and affordable over time. Oh, absolutely. Uh, remember my parents looking at that Barracuda when my sister and I were little and we laid in the back of that car looking through that big, uh, expansive piece of glass. And of course, my mom thought it was really cool and sporty. And my dad saying, this isn't really a family car. And we ended, <laughs> we ended up with that uh, uh, Vista Cruiser. Uh, Avanti, of course, very unique. Uh, it's got a bit of an eclectic taste for some people. But again, all these vehicles can be retrofitted and more and more people are doing it. Jaguar, several years ago when I was down at Monterey Car Week at the Quail event, they had a Jaguar E-Type that are probably one of the most beautiful cars in the world sitting there with electric, electric power plant. Aston Martin, they're building some. So all these manufacturers are taking a look at this and going, okay, how can we take this technology and scale it, if you will, the battery power, the transmission, the way the car is powered and sell it in another way than just the car. So now again, they're scaling their business just like Ford did with their announcement at SEMA today with the Illuminator. I think it's absolutely fascinating and fun. Now those people that are diehard enthusiasts for old cars, they might go, blasphemy, you can't do that to an old car. But I think, why not? You know, you can take the, the original power plant out, put it in your living room as a display piece and run these cars around. They're quiet and you know what? They're a lot faster. So if you like speed, these things are going to go a lot faster than they ever did when they were original. I think it's absolutely fantastic. It can all be done. And there's fabricators around the world who are now thinking of doing this, just like I mentioned, Justin and Lenny at Everati, who can take an old classic car and turn it into an electric car for you. And while he's doing it, he can change the color. He can make it exactly how you would want it back in the day. And in many cases, he makes it a whole lot more reliable and better. And once these charging stations are all in place across the country, getting somewhere here and there, doing classic road trips and rallies, it isn't going to be a problem. One last thing, and speaking of problem, here's one we will need to solve in terms of infrastructure. As far as you've been able to track it, Mark, how are we doing with providing people with enough charging stations from coast to coast? Well, I don't know the facts on that, but I know they are working on it as fast as they can because they have to. And I say they have to. If you think about Tesla really leading the way on this and then making sure that they're all 
conducive to all the different vehicles too. So you don't end up with like the proverbial handheld mobile phone that only one plug-in works for one kind of phone and not for the other is making this so that they all integrate and work together. I think it's coming a lot faster than we think. And I always kind of poo-poo the naysayers that look down on all of this. You know what? Embrace it. The electric, or I should say the combustion engine, it's going to be around for a while. You can't just eliminate there's too many interconnected businesses and components to that. It's going to be here for a while. I don't know how long. I've talked to some experts that say 50 years, maybe longer. But this is coming on fast. And I think it's coming on a lot faster than we anticipated. And that's why there's these problems with, are you going to have enough power? Are you going to have enough stations? It's going to happen. It's going to be here because you know what? People are buying these vehicles. I'll go back to Tesla. If you look at the ratio of Tesla sold to all the other car companies that make electric cars, they're blowing everybody out of the water. But these other marks are paying attention and they're going to figure out a way to come on market and make things maybe even more affordable. So that if you don't have 50,000, 60,000 or the new Tesla Plaid, which is $130,000, that's a pretty darn pricey vehicle that the average Joe and also all these electric cars that have been around, they're going to be on the market as used cars, they already are in the case of many of them, so that people that can't afford the new ones will pick up the old ones. So it's happening. It's going to be here. Uh, if I had a crystal ball as to when, I'd let you know which stocks to buy. But if you looked at <laughs> yeah. Tesla stock in the last week, you should have bought some of that about two weeks ago. Well, I like their pricing for that fancy model. $130,000 is still cheaper than a Corvair battery. <laughs> Nicely said, my friend. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Tell us, Mark Green, about Cars Yeah, the podcast, and how easy it is for people to tune in. Well, thank you. Cars Yeah podcast is one of the only five-day-a-week automotive podcasts out there. You can find me on the Cars Yeah website, just carsyeah.com, or on any mobile podcast device. Just type in the search little window there, Mark Green Cars Yeah. Green has an E on the end. I'm greeny to all you listeners. Uh, you can also go to my website, and you can subscribe, and I'll send you my free ebook. Uh, you'll see the free book button there. I do giveaways all the time. I'm all over the place. You can listen to Cars Yeah podcasts like any podcast on any mobile podcast. So you can listen when you're traveling on the road or whatever you're doing. But I appreciate you allowing me to come back and share some of the fun of what's coming in the automotive sector and electricity. Everything old is new again. And we have fun learning about it every time you join us. Mark Green, thanks so much, my friend. We will do this again. I hope so. And Eric, thanks for being a great uh, producer today. We appreciate you. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into American Road Trip Talk, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to check out the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure.